Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Guante. He is Andrew P. Shea. Andy, all set for another week of Penn State football talk. Yeah, this is, uh, it's fun. Each week, you know, it's the off season, so it's a little different for us uh, than in season or, you know, during spring practice or during camp leading up to the season. But this year with this team, man, it, the, if you're a Penn State fan, this is this is one of the most off most exciting off seasons you've had in a while. And so enjoy it. I, I'm kind of enjoying it because the prospects for this team are endless. I'm not going to put unrealistic expectations out there. I'm just saying there's a lot of high-end possibilities for this football team, and there's a lot to talk about. There really is, and this week's news is about the fans, Andy. It's about the announcements that they made regarding the whiteout. Now, there's been a lot of discussion amongst uh, Penn State fans. The possibilities for the whiteout game were the West Virginia game, which it was already announced, NBC would be covering it, and that's the first weekend of the season, and the game time was going to be 7.30, a night game. So that was the possibility. Iowa in mid-September, and of course Michigan, which was the game in November. Now, traditionally, Penn State has used either the Michigan or Ohio State games as the whiteout, but when those games are scheduled in November, it creates another issue, which is this Big Ten rule about uh, night games in November, where essentially, as I understand it, the rule has been both teams have to agree to it. And if you're Michigan, you're just never going to agree to a night game at Penn State in November. And by the way, that has nothing to do with the weather. That's uh, Michigan wanting to avoid a whiteout. Well, I disagree with you a little bit, Jimmy, Uh, from the Michigan perspective. You're, you're right. I also think, I mean, if I'm James, I don't want to play, I don't want to play Michigan in November at night either. I don't want to play that game in serious potential compromised weather conditions. I mean, it's still November. The day might not be uh, much better, but I just don't think I want to play a November night game against a team like Michigan at night. I could be wrong, but that from Penn State's perspective, but from the Michigan perspective, yeah, they're, they're they're not only a no, they're you know they're a heck no. Heck no. <laughs> they're a heck no. I, well, I I think that's the biggest issue. Michigan would not want to play that game at night. They would feel that they have a competitive disadvantage, and if there's a way for them to avoid it, they will. Now that leads to the Big Ten. It's, it always seems to be a mystery about how these games get assigned to each network. It's always been somewhat of a draft and who gets first choice. Right. So first choice will always be Michigan, Ohio State, and Fox will have that first choice. They want their biggest games on at noon. There you go, nice and easy. The problem from a Penn State perspective is Fox wants their biggest games to be at noon, and if Penn State's in a big game, they want it at night and to make it a whiteout. And Fox isn't going to do that. So you have that as part of the equation here. So no matter how much Penn State might want 
to have the Michigan game as the whiteout. It's just probably not going to happen. Correct. If if Fox has the game. And right. that is probably going to be the case here, which means it's probably going to be a noon game. And that eliminates it from the whiteout. So that means it's now between West Virginia and Iowa. And the choice was Iowa for the whiteout. And it's going to be CBS, who normally would have late afternoon as the slot. This year, they're still covering some Southeast Conference games. They're right. able to put it on at night. That seems to work out for everybody. So, Andy, Iowa whiteout. Is that the right choice? Love it. I love it. I think this is I think it's the right game. I think football wise it provides a competitive disadvantage to Iowa and their tremendously pedestrian offense especially at night, right? Like they they can do and you could do a whiteout against Michigan at noon, but it's just not the same, right? Like at night it's like okay, it's really really good would be really good at noon. It's off the hook at night. So make it at night. Make Iowa, who is going to have some limitations offensively, it, it's just going to be tougher for them to execute. It's game four, so it's in September. It's still going to be fairly nice out. You get the, like, longer day, so it's, like, you know, it's kind of twilighty. then it kind of goes into the full night. It's an 8 o'clock start. Um I just it gives the fans a full day to enjoy. How shall we put that in air quotes? Enjoy tailgating, and I just think Iowa's a great opponent. It's good timing. You get to play three games before it, both teams. You get to settle in a little bit. Then you can have a big old, big old monster. You know what? In my opinion, has become an iconic game in college football. Doesn't matter who the opponent is. Penn State's night whiteout game is now iconic, Jimmy. That's just the way I put it. In in terms of the big picture in college football, it is an iconic game. I think it was the right chip to use. CBS in this one year where they can flex their games because they're doing some of the Big Ten and some of the SEC next year, they wouldn't have this opportunity because they're locked into the 330 spot once they go full bore in the Big Ten in 2024. So it gives CBS a chance to expand the playing field and give a night game to their audience. And it's just going to be, it's the right game. I I don't, I just love the choice. I think it's the right one. I think it provides Penn state with a competitive advantage as well. I agree with you on that, Andy. I'm going to take away your air quotes and just say, I'm going to be there partying all day. So (laughs) there's the reality. And that's what the Penn state fans will be doing. And it'll be, a great atmosphere. And the fact is when the weather is nice, it makes that whole tailgating experience and part of the whole whiteout that whole day, it makes it better. Now, I think for the, I've been, I would have been okay if they chose the West Virginia game. It's their first big 10 game. And it's, I think that NBC could spend the whole summer pushing it, uh, talking about it putting more of a spotlight on Penn State. Now, I think the compromise that they went through, which is they're doing something called the helmet strike for that game, which means this is about as close to a whiteout as you could get, Andy, because the entire stadium will be in white, except for one stripe along the 50-yard line. So 
this is kind of answers the question, how do you do a whiteout without calling it a whiteout? So this is pretty good marketing, and, and it's a night game, right? I, I do like that they didn't use the official whiteout chip on West Virginia. I, I just don't think it, they, it, it's not a good chip to play from a Penn State perspective. However, I had to look up what the helmet stripe was because I'm like, okay, I know what the, you know, the other stripe game where they do alternating sections in blue and white. I, I assume they're going to do that for the Michigan game probably at yes. night. Yes, yes, but it's already been announced. Yeah, I didn't know what the stripe out was. So it was the first, the helmet stripe, they call it. In 2021, they did it against Michigan, apparently. And I, I didn't know that. This is basically a reason to get fans all fired up in white. And you're going to have one little stripe of blue in there. And they're going to get fired up for a night game. This is whiteout light. That's all I'm going to call it. Is It might be a third less calories than your regular beer, but it's still going to have a lot of elements of the whiteout. I don't know if they'll play all the same music or create the same, but I'm sure the student section and 7.30 night game against West Virginia being told that they need to wear all white, I'm pretty sure they're going to fire it up and it's going to look very similar to a whiteout. So... West Virginia is going to get a taste of it. Um, and I just think it's really smart marketing to say, hey, we're just going to put a blue helmet stripe down to 50. Everybody else will wear white, but this isn't the whiteout. This is very close. Andy, I don't know who's involved in making these decisions, but I just picture this room with the argument of, well, why don't we just do two whiteouts? And someone will say, no, we can't do that no. because it's special. Whiteout once a year. But what harm would it do? And it goes back and forth till some hand gets raised in the back and say, hey, I've got an idea. Why don't we do this with one little blue stripe? It, it's, it's pretty much as good as a whiteout, but we preserve the sanctity of the once a year thing for the whiteout by doing this. So... Hey, I think it's smart. If they had chosen to do multiple whiteouts, I would have been okay with that. But as a fan, I love when they do these things. I think it makes the fans feel like they are part of the game, part of the entertainment, that they have an effect. And the first time there's so much noise that the opponent, and let's say it happens in this first game with West Virginia, who will have a new starting quarterback, and you know what happens in whiteouts when that happens. The first time West Virginia has to either call a timeout or some offensive lineman jumps, it's just going to make the the place go absolutely bonkers. Plus, it's a night game, Jimmy. Don't forget that. <laughs> yes. So the, the, it's the opener, and you've got the full enjoyment factor going in. It's a whiteout without calling it a whiteout. That's literally what it is. NBC won't be able to call it Penn State's whiteout. They're going to call it the strike game, but you can bet in their highlights and promos, they're going to be showing Penn State Beaver Stadium rocking like it's a whiteout. They're just going to do that. But they're going to call it the helmet strike game, like they're supposed to. But it's a whiteout without calling it the whiteout. It's going to be bonkers that night. Exactly. And I, we've been talking the last few weeks, Andy, on this show, not just with you, but with, with other folks about, you know, the refurbishment to Beaver Stadium and the changes that be made, uh, going to be made. I don't want to go down that path except to say this. 
when you're talking about Beaver Stadium and what makes it wonderful, it's not the structure of the stadium. It's nope. not. It's it's the fans and what happens on these evenings where they call it a whiteout. You want to call it the helmet strike game. Call it whatever you want, but it's the fans. It's the student base. It's the rest of the fan base that makes it iconic and special, not the structure. Correct, 100%. The, the building isn't what makes Penn State's football great and these atmospheres. It's the night game and the people. That's it. And, End of story. Exactly, Andy. And I, I'll tell you what, I friends who are Penn State fans, they're already talking. There's already a buzz about these games because right. of that, that exact fact. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter number one. Stick around. We got lots more to talk about. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. He is Andy Shea. I'm Jim Galante. We spent the first quarter talking about the announcement of the whiteout, the stripe out, the helmet stripe game. This segment, Andy, I want to talk to you a little bit about some national news going on. We all know about uh, the reshuffling of conferences, teams moving. You know, we have Oklahoma uh, and Texas moving over to the Southeast Conference. We have USC and UCLA coming into the Big Ten. The latest on the news is the ACC, where uh, 
the conferences that aren't Big Ten Southeast Conference, the Pac-12, Big 12, ACC, they are now battling to stick together. And a lot of this comes down to TV media rights. Southeast Conference, Big Ten are making big money with new contracts, and the other three are scrambling. The Big 12, uh, they may do, had a new contract. So they at least, I think, feel secure beyond Texas and Oklahoma. Correct. The Pac-12, they're just waiting for the next shoe to drop. They haven't gotten their uh, TV contract together. They're waiting for other conferences to raid them. This week, though, it's the ACC that is in the news because they're getting together. But the big expression being used, grant of rights. Now, this is something the ACC did a few years ago. The idea being, okay, let's be in this together. Let's The way to keep teams from abandoning the conference is we have something called grant of rights, which means, sure, you could go, but if you go, we maintain your television rights. So the ACC teams agreed to that. I think it's good through like the year 2036, which essentially when they made that decision, they locked themselves in. You were keeping the other guys from leaving, but you were also keeping yourself from leaving. First of all, Andy, is this just one of those you file it under? Well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. It was, it took a, it took some time to negotiate it out before they implemented it. So I think it was, a little bit before it started to get really crazy post COVID, right? It seems like a pretty airtight, you know, grant of rights agreement with all the changes taking place in college football, right? Right now. And in the last couple of years that I think the ACC is starting to get the feeling that they're on the sidelines, right? Like they just have to stand there and look, they can't really, they can't really leave or make decisions or do what they think is in their best interest. They're pretty much stuck in this agreement. And so as this change is taking place and schools are raising their revenue, raising their stature, conferences are becoming different. They've had to stay on the sidelines and be the same 14 teams pretty much. And I think they're tired of that. (laughs) You know, the patience, Tom Petty told us waiting is the hardest part. Patience is not something that it seems like the ACC schools, particularly seven of them that are a little more high-end in terms of marquee value, they're not happy for sure, but they've had to stay on the sidelines, and I just think they're tired of it. That's my honest opinion. They're, They're tired of sitting on the sidelines and walking, but they're bound by what seems like a pretty strong, airtight agreement from the conference's perspective. Well, the instigator in all of this, or one of them, has been Florida State, where their athletic director, his candor was surprising, but he came out and essentially said, we are one of the premier teams in this conference. We're the reason why we make the money even that we do. How come we're not paid more? And he said, we compete against Southeast Conference teams for attention and recruits and everything else. Correct. And essentially... We're $30 million behind them per year, which might actually be conservative. It might actually be more than that. So if you, you know, if you tally up the numbers between now 
and the end of the grant of rights, you're talking about like half a billion dollars. You know, yeah, you keep that up, eventually it's going to add up to real money, Andy. And this is, yeah, it's about money. The fact is, though, and you and I in talking about this said, boy, we just don't see them ever saying, well, Florida State and Clemson, you're the better team, so you'll get the bigger share of the TV revenue. It appears that one of the solutions that they've talked about is how about rewarding the teams that go to the larger bowls or to the playoffs? So instead of splitting that cut up evenly, we give it to those teams. So it's not blatantly saying, okay, Florida State, Clemson, we'll give you more money, but you give it to the teams that excel, which, by the way, will be those couple teams. Is that they a have, viable solution? Yeah, they have. They One of the, the discussions this spring about the revenue sharing was they went a they had serious conversations about making it incentive based, right? Like that's what you do, but okay. I think that helps a little bit, but that I, don't, I still don't think that that gets, you know, sort of these seven schools that are kind of like, okay, we're tired of being on the sidelines. I don't think that gets them where they want to go. Particularly if they look, if you just project ahead and you look at a school like Clemson or Florida state in 2024, once the new, they're behind. They say, "Wow, we're behind the SEC." You're going to be even further behind the Big Ten next year, starting next year. You know what I mean? Because the Big Ten's got the Hakuna Matata of the three monster television contract. Any of those schools, you're going to be further behind them, even even more so. And you don't have any opportunity to be part of that. I think that's still the biggest sticking point is the agreement that they signed. I mean, you signed it. I hope you understood it when you signed it. I mean, it seems fairly airtight to me. I know they've been talking to legal eagles and trying to get, you know, trying to figure out if it's as airtight as they think it is. But I mean, the exit fee is like $120 million just to exit. And then the ACC still owns the right to your home football games. They still own the television rights. That's a lot to give up. It seems like, Andy, one of the potential solutions, and now how's this for an obscure reference? Do you remember the TV show Taxi? Of course. And do you remember Latka? Of course. The foreign guy? Yes. Yeah. Well, apparently, and, and I, there, was, there was an episode, and I don't recall what the reason was, but he, he had gotten married by this point. And for some obscure reason, he was going to have to divorce his wife, and they didn't want to. And they're trying to figure this out, trying to figure this out. And finally, someone came up, well, why don't you get the divorce and then just remarry? And everyone looks, oh, okay. That almost feels like what the ACC is looking at. If we could get enough people to just say, let's disband the conference and then restart without that rule, that that might be one of the solutions. So if I think if they can get at least a majority, maybe more... But the problem would be what then, Andy, Right. if those teams essentially they could either do they just reform a new conference, but we keep the elite teams and get rid of the dregs or do those teams now as free agents move on, which leads to the question, where do they go? And the obvious answer is the elite teams think they can go to the Southeast Conference or the Big Ten. 
that would be the best solution for those elite teams. And would would those conferences want any of those teams? And which ones and where? Yeah, which ones and where? And, you know, how how much more does the SEC and Big Ten want and how much more revenue sharing do they want to do, right? Like, okay, you add Clemson or you add Florida State, but what, you know, is that really in the best interest of the teams that are already in your conference? And I just think the Big Ten is not interested in the ACC. That's just my two cents. I think they have, I think they have a, I think they have a, a couple whales to protect and a really big whale in USC to protect. They've got to get them some cover on the West Coast first. And last I checked, there isn't an ACC school out on out on the West Coast. It, this just feels like they're just tired of being on the sidelines and, and they're firing a Hail Mary shot. I mean, honestly, where are they going to get revenue from? Are they If you tried to split off, I mean, ESPN is who their contract, you know, ABC is ESPN. They could ask them for more money to raise the revenue stakes, but sort of right now ESPN's on a bit of an Atkins revenue diet because they're, you know, they're, they've got a certain pot of money, but it's not endless and they don't have multiple outlets. And it's not a Pac-12 problem as well because you're not looking at a massively reduced income. They're not looking at reduced income. They're looking at a certain level of income and they don't like it because it's not going to grow at the level they like. So at the end of the day, to me, this feels like rich kids kind of pitching a fit because they see the landscape and they think they're falling behind when really they aren't. And they're actually in a pretty safe spot. They can add, you just can't leave. And they haven't, I don't think these schools have looked at the value of what can we add to enhance the conference? They're only looking at, you know, what we what is best for us. And I still think they're in a pretty good spot, but it, it, they are rich kids pitching a fit. That's just the way I, I came to conclude on it. At the end of the day, they don't like what's going on around them, and they don't want to be left behind. Well, I, I do think that they are affected, Andy, and that you see it where brand names like USC – and UCLA end up in the Big Ten. Texas and Oklahoma end up in the Southeast Conference. If you want to do comps for those teams, Florida State and Clemson fit. Yep. You know, they are the ones. If And you could stretch it a little more with someone like, say, Miami that has a history, and when they're good, they're really good. Those are teams who say, hey, wait a minute, you know, at $30 million a year or maybe even $50 million a year deficit compared to those conference teams from the Big Ten and Southeast Conference, you're falling behind. And if you're Florida State, you're thinking, and Clemson, this is not about winning ACC championships. It's about winning national championships. Alabama and Ohio State are our rivals, not uh, Wake Forest. If you are not Florida State and Clemson, you have to look at the Pac-12 and be careful what you wish for, right? I mean, that's just the way you have to look at it. You could ride with those two and split off, but then what are you going to do? It's just, it's so volatile. You have to be careful that you aren't blinded by the dollars. 
All right, Andy, that is it for quarter number two. Stick around, quarter number three. Andy's going to be answering your questions. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, Local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Andy, I'm Jim. This is quarter number three, which means it's time to ask Andy. Brought to you by our good friends at 409tailgateclub.com. They're the ones who have the great barbecue sauces, barbecue rubs, including the new coffee barbecue rubs. Andy, at the end of this segment, is going to pick out the best question that comes from you, and the winner will get the prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com. And the way you send a question is you download our app. Just look up Keystone Sports where you get your apps. You'll see the Ask Andy button, and it's pretty self-explanatory from there. You ready to roll, Andy? Let's do it, Jimmy. I'm ready. Football me. Okay, well... We're going to stay off the field a bit for the first okay. question. We'll get it out of the way. Daniel from Bell Vernon want a very long way to ask the question, why not have two whiteout games in a season? What's wrong with that? Nothing, Daniel. You nailed it. Why not? They do. They just call it something different. <clears throat> they call it the helmet stripe game. It's West Virginia. So you can call it. The whiteout game officially is Iowa. The whiteout 2.0 for 2023, which is a night game, 730 NBC, is 
the season opener against the West Virginia Mountaineers. That will smell, taste, and look like a whiteout, except for one blue stripe down the middle. <clears throat> it will have all the elements of a whiteout. It will have a full day of tailgating enjoyment, followed by a night football game where you are to wear white. It will have all the elements. <clears throat> I don't think they want to, I, I just don't think marketing-wise they want to they want to keep them separate, but they could do this during a day game as well. It just so happens in 2023, they're both at night, which is optimal. Well, hold on. You know, Daniel does mention the Michigan game. And of course, this his question came in before the announcement. And I think, I don't think they want to do a whiteout during the day. And that's probably what the Michigan game's going to be. And the compromise yeah. is doing the stripe out for that game. And as Andy pointed out, it's essentially going to be two whiteout games, West Virginia and Iowa. All right, let's go to Barry in Tyrone, who says, what is your take on how the team uses their two-star running backs? How would you share the carries? Would you split it by series, change depending on the situation? What would Andy do? So I think I would I would use the flexibility – of the two of them and make it opponent relevant, right? Which one do I think they're both uber talented. So it's like you have a choice of riches, rich and richer, right? Like which one is rich and which one is richer against this opponent? What do you think is the best one to start? Who's the best one to employ early against this defense that we're going to face. And then we'll bring the other one in as a changeup. They're not, they're not distinctly similar, Jimmy, right? And they are in nuanced ways, sort of a little bit different running backs, right? Like I think while Nick Singleton can, he can run through the middle of the offensive lines. I, I just like the way Katron Allen works inside the shoulder of the tackles in that area, just a wee bit better than Nick Singleton. I love Nick Singleton on the edge, lethal. <laughs> Nick Singleton on the edges. Open space, lethal. Katron Allen is not bad in open space by any stretch of the imagination. So I think it's opponent relevant. I don't think you have a a week to week script. I don't think you have a a, a season script like okay, we're going to do two series of this guy, two series of that guy. And I think it's going to be a mix and match. I think it's going to be Jay One Sider, you know, talking to the offensive coordinator. James Franklin will have his two cents. Whatever Yurcich thinks. I think it's opponent-centered is the best way to do it because you have two massively valuable weapons that you have to employ, figure out the best way week to week to put them up against an opponent. And I think, Andy, there's a little bit of a misconception about the two running backs. I think on the surface and probably from a national perspective, people see those long runs from Nick Singleton and think he's the the home run hitter, the speed guy. And Catron Allen is the three yards in a cloud of dust guy. Correct. It's not really that way. It's it more subtle than that. You know, nope. Nick Singleton runs really hard and is really strong. Catron Allen is more that subtle, the subtle moves, even though he may not be the same home run hitter as Nicholas Singleton. So it's interesting. And I almost feel like it's a little bit of the hot hand and the fact that they're both really good. And I'd rather each of them get 15 to 20 carries than one of them have to get 30 or 35 carries. And that's what makes, makes them best. 
let's um, let's get to Steve in Columbia, who says, Andy, are you from the show me state of Missouri? Aller won't be a top five Penn State quarterback. Was Christian Hackenberg number six on your list? He was And not. my food question, do you like sour grapes? Oh, and by the way, I love your podcast. <laughs> I am from the show me state, Steve. I do need Drew Aller. I need him to be the ambassador of Quan to make my top five list. I'm not putting him there. Heck no, I'm not putting him there. No way am I thinking and putting that sort of pressure on him. He's got enough as it is. Show me the money, right? Show me you can do it. And at the end of the day, you make it. Clifford, Sean Clifford did not make top five list. Very, very, very admirable Penn State career. But yeah, no, I'm a show me guy. You got to show me. And I don't like, I, I like grapes, but I don't like sour grapes. All right. Now, in defense of the person who asked the question, which, by the way, was me in our show last week, I didn't ask if Drew Aller was a top five Penn State quarterback. My question was, would he be at the end of his career? It's projecting where he will be. And your answer to that question is no, which is much different than saying, is he now a top five Penn State quarterback? We will see how it plays out. And that leads really nicely, nice segue, Andy, into our next questioner, which is Edward from Delaware, who says, what do you consider Drew Aller's upside? Wow, that is a really good question. So I think Drew Aller's upside is uh, a a really versatile, a strong arm with versatility, right? Like he can throw a deep ball but he can also make every throw that you need, even at the next level. Like he can make them, he's got the arm talent to make every throw in the book, right? Um, He's got a, I think his upside also, it lends himself to his versatility in the way he delivers the football in terms of short passes versus tough throws versus deep passes. He can throw with strength, but he can also throw with touch. That's a a huge upside. I think one of his hidden upsides to me is his his mobility. Now, for a guy that's 6'5", and whatever, 230-some pounds or whatever he comes at, he has a little more athletic mobility than you might think from the eye. I think it's sneaky. I think his footwork is really good, and I think he's got sneaky feet. What, What I mean by that is, he can move if he has to, and he can make very accurate and good throws if he has to, and he will. So I think that's a sneaky upside, but I think his arm talent is his biggest upside. I, I agree. He fits all the tools that you're looking for, the size, the arm strength. I also agree with you that the mobility is there. Uh more so than you would think it's relative. You know, he's not the guy who's going to rush for 100 yards in a game, but you start worrying too much about Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, he can surprise you. Also, he can get out of the pocket and and pick up a first down if need be. So those are all good things. I think his upside is tremendous. Uh, 
I think the other part to it is when he makes a mistake, I, I don't think it's like, well, he's not an accurate passer. It's his footwork is bad or his, he does things that are fixable. And they're right. not, he doesn't consistently make those mistakes, but they do happen. And I think that they're coachable issues that can be repaired. Okay, Andy, let's get to Jason in Cherry Hill, who says, Andy, what are your thoughts on the 12-team playoff? Doesn't the fact that Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State all play in the same division validate the need for the expanded playoffs? Well, that's like one of like six reasons. Two, it's just college football is is a cash cow right now. So why not take advantage of it? Um, I think we can't get enough of playoff football as college football fans. I think that's a factor that they recognize now. It almost felt like this year that it was like, because we knew the 12 team is coming that you were kind of like, this is just me. I was like, I'm pissed off. I only got two, you know, three games that are playoff games. Come on, 12 team, get here. You cannot get here. Fast enough. I think it rewards conference champions, and I like that. I think it provides opportunity for a lot of schools, and I pray the Big Ten does realignment when USC, UCLA, and whoever else might come from the West Coast comes in, and they get Penn State out of that, you know, having to play Michigan and Ohio State every single year. Please, Big Ten, help your teams make the 12-team college football playoff, other than your champion, create opportunity for them. So I love it uh, for about 96 reasons, the first of which is more playoffs, right? I can't have enough. And this year, for the first time, four teams and three games felt like I was being cheated as a college football fan. Right. There's no doubt this was about money, more playoff games, more revenue. I think the also the question about Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, it's all the more so this year because this is going to be one of Penn State's better teams. Ohio yep. State is always good. There's still high expectations for Michigan after the last two seasons, the returning quarterback, the returning running backs. Yep. Some of these preseason rankings have all three of those teams in the top five in the country. So the fact that it's very likely that only one of them will make the playoffs, especially this year, and with that 12-team playoff so tantalizingly close, Andy, it seems all the more relevant. All right, that is it for quarter number three and Ask Andy. Stick around. We'll name our winner at the start of quarter four. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, 
local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. He's Andy. I'm Jim. Before we get to our quarter number four topic, Andy, we need a winner from Ask Andy. Who do you have? Congratulations, Barry from Tyrone. I wrote down really good question on my notes, and nobody else matched yours this week. Good questions all around. Thank you to everyone for sending them in. I enjoy them now. I didn't enjoy them in the beginning, <laughs> but I do enjoy them now. I like them, and I and I love the good ribbing. I'll take it. But Barry and Tyrone, <laughs> you stood out this week. Congratulations. You get the gift pack from 409 Tailgate Club. All right, we'll be getting in touch with you, Barry. And I think the good-natured ribbing, he's talking to you, Steve, from Columbia. All right, Andy, it's time for our quarter four topic. And this is something you and I had had chatted about, and we just thought it would be interesting for our listeners. And and it kind of ties into what we were talking about in quarter number two when we were talking about the ACC and how that might be broken up and would a team end up would any of those teams end up in the big 10 or the Southeast conference? And it gets you to the conversation of, all right, you're a Penn state fan or just a Penn state observer like yourself. I don't want to call you a fan. That's me, but who do you want to see Penn state play? And the world has changed quite a bit from those years, which us older guys remember when Penn state was an independent and Although they had their regional rivalries, they would play teams from out of the area, out of the region, and those were always fun games. Now, being in a conference, you just don't see it that often. It happens once. Penn State played Auburn the last couple years. I think the fans were really excited about it. So James Franklin threw water on that and said, we won't be doing this again anytime soon which is unfortunate. And I get it from a competition standpoint. I get it as well. But those games are so much fun. So it leads to the question, Andy, who would you like to see Penn State play? And what are the factors? Well, let me ask you that first. The factors, geography, 
rivalry status. How good is that other team? How interesting is that other team? How long has it been since Penn State played? So what are the parameters you're looking for? And then give me a, a, a team or two. So I have none of your parameters, Jimmy. <laughs> I don't look at rivalry or anything. When's the last time they played them? I looked at, so I looked at a, a the first thing I looked at was uh, like, are they at the same level? Are they in the same zip code for at the same level nationally? So are they, is it equitable for not only them, for the opponent, but is it an equal value for Penn State? Like we can agree that Auburn fit that for me, right? Like even though Penn State beat them twice and they were they struggled last year, I don't care. It was a great value proposition because the other side of it for me was there is a value. They get something. The team that wins gets something, right? It doesn't matter who they are, but losing that game doesn't necessarily kill the rabbit. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to take on an opponent like that. So I was looking at it that way and just, it's like a feel and fit thing for me. Like, does this feel like, yeah, that would be a game I, you know, I would want to see. And the first one I went to was Tennessee. I'm like, there's no history there. There's no rivalry there. It's SEC again versus Big Ten. I like that dynamic. But I just think they're two programs that are at sort of an equitable level and they bring different things to the table. Man, do I think that would be a heck of a football game to watch and see would be Tennessee and Penn State. I, I There's no, you know, there's no clarifying reason I have for that other than that feels like it fits. That feels like a good fit. Tennessee in Neyland Stadium, Penn State, Neyland Stadium, Tennessee, and Beaver Stadium. I think that fits, and it just feels like a good matchup for me. That's my first one. I I think that's a pretty good call, although I'll Thank also you. give it some of those other reasons that you mentioned at the end. You know, um, It's a Southeast Conference school. Tennessee's at a better place than Auburn was last year, but the Correct. comp is – Southeast Conference School, large fan base, tremendous stadiums, tremendous yep. support at those stadiums. So the schools going to each other's stadiums to visit, to see a game there is, is tremendous experiences. So I think there's several good reasons why Tennessee, but also several other Southeast Conference schools would be interesting. I'll go next. I'll give you a game that I think has some of the things you talked about, Andy, which is it would be competitive, comparable place where where they are with their programs. Large national brand like Penn State is, if anything, a larger national brand. And there's also the extra benefit of an old rivalry, a team that Penn State used to play often. And I'm talking about Notre Dame. Or as I, I'm saying it wrong, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, however you want to say it. Everyone makes fun of me for the way I say it. I'll call it the Fighting Irish. I would love to see that game. And I think that's one of those games that a national audience would go crazy for, Andy. Yeah, I I like that one as well. I'm not as fired up about it as you are. Um, it's so... One of the things I can say that I, when I'm picking, you know, when I, when we, 
you've talked about this. I'm not looking for the best ones. I'm looking for the right ones. And I'm not, Notre Dame is one of the best ones. I don't know if it's the right one for either school, but man, it is one of the best ones. Notre Dame, Penn State, it's got historical reference to it. It checks so many boxes. I, 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 I would not mind that one at all. I, I have several on the, I, yeah, I just don't care about, and I wouldn't want to see that list as well if we want to get to that. But I want to add another school to mine. Can I go forward and add that now, Jimmy? I like your pick, by the way. I like Notre Dame. You like mine. I liked your first pick. My second pick is Clemson. Penn State traveling to Death Valley, great atmosphere. Just, it, it's one of those sort of, it, it's hard to say this, but it's true that that venue and that location, even though Clemson's a national brand, they're sort of undervalued as a destination for college football. And I'm not sure why, but they just kind of are. Like, that's a great place to go see a football game. I think it's an equal balance for both teams. I think Clemson would like the game. I think Penn State would love the game. Um, I think there's a Q rating for both of them. It feels right and it fits. They're both in the same time zone too, so that helps. Um, I, I just love the prospect of uh, Penn State Clemson two year matchup. I, I just think it's, I think that's a match made in heaven for me. It checks every single box, and it also has some of that other national brand versus national brand type thing. I think. I think that's a great choice. I think that's when you've reached the point where it, you can call a team a national brand, and Clemson obviously is, Penn State is, and you have that kind of game. With that in mind, I think you could add in almost any national brand, and it would be interesting to the Penn State fan base. If it were Oklahoma, if it were Texas, if it were USC, you know, those are national brands. It would be interesting. Now, you had mentioned when you and I were talking off the air, Alabama, Georgia, they're obviously national brands. But that Penn State is probably, you know, punching up a weight class against those teams. It it would be a tough matchup. But I'm going to ask you about, and I'm not sure this is, oh, I'm, you know, because I'm dying to see this, but how much are those geographic rivalries and that where there's true hatred between the teams and I'm headed towards Penn state Pitt, And I know it's one of those games where you could say as a Penn state fan, we have nothing to gain in that game and everything to lose. And I understand that's part of it. But when you go across the country and you see, there's a lot of games like that, that they might be mismatches, lopsided but both fan bases it means so much so when you have Alabama play Auburn when you have Clemson play South Carolina when you have Oklahoma play Oklahoma State even though one team might be dominant in that rivalry it still means so much to the fan bases is there a team that Penn State fans would hate to lose to more than Pitt it would no. it means something. So, what do you think of that? So, I think the rivalry was was when it was how it was built and when it was alive and well. It served both schools so 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 well, Jimmy. It created something that you 
couldn't create unless they otherwise played. But I think the break and I think the time away from it and the way co- the college football landscape has changed, I just think it's a bad value proposition game for Penn State now. I, I, they're not – it's not an equitable playing field. And losing to Pitt, while the fans hate it just as much as anybody else, even in a 12-team expanded football playoff, college football playoff scenario, playing Pitt and losing to Pitt hurts Penn State more than, than Pitt losing to Penn State. So that isn't sort of – I don't think you can take that risk anymore. I, I, and while the, I, I agree with you that the regionality of it is – and they're both in the same state. Come on, let's – why shouldn't they play? I get it, but the landscape has changed, so it just doesn't check enough boxes – to make it equitable for both schools. Remember, I'm not talking about equity here, Andy. And I, I think, like I said, some of those other rivalries that I described, it's not equitable. I know. But the fans love it. All right. Time enough for you to throw in a wild card. Give me another one. LSU. I love LSU. That one just feels so right to me. Um I looked at a couple others. I don't like Miami. I don't think they're on a plane. Florida, yeah, kind of. Uh, Florida State doesn't fit. I I just think LSU and Penn State, there's just something about those two programs that, that I think would be a match made in heaven. That's just my two cents. Well, I think what you have there, again, a, a quality Southeast Conference team, that would make it interesting. I think in terms of how much would I, as a fan, love to go to that game at that stadium. I would love to see Penn State play at LSU. I would love to see a game there. I think that would be phenomenal. And I think the same way LSU fans would love to come to Beaver Stadium. All right, Andy, that's going to have to be the final word. Thanks so much, Andy. And thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. 
you get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.